0: Welcome to WattCast. I'm Charlene Gianetti, editor of Woman Around Town. More than 20 million millennials are living with their parents today. Too many are not benefiting from the economic recovery. Instead, they remain unemployed and underemployed. As a group, they carry more than a trillion dollars in student loans. Whether you are a millennial or a parenting one, you will want to hear what our two guests today have to say. Dr. Phyllis Goldberg and Dr. Rosemary Lichtman have more than 30 years of experience helping families, including those affected when an adult child moves home. Doctors, Rosemary and Phyllis, thanks so much for being with us here today. It's our
1: pleasure. Thank you.
0: So let's, let's start with a definition for millennials, and I know that there are differing opinions on the years that make up this age group, so maybe you could discuss that a little bit. What Are there specific birth years for this cohort?
1: Um, generally, people um, have uh, defined it as being people born between 1980 and 2000, so nowadays they would be between 18 and 38 years old. Um, there are, as you said, there are some different uh, definitions. Uh, of the age group by, by some. But I think this is is a fairly um, well-accepted one, and it's the one we've used in our book, actually, too.
0: Are they now the largest cohort that we've seen? Do they Are they larger than the baby boomers were?
1: They are. They are because, you know, some baby boomers are older and have already passed away, and um, the millennials, you know, between 18 and 38 have... Overcome the numbers of the baby boomers. And, you know, Charlene, because they span two decades, the millennials, it's hard to take a broad brush approach, you know, to who are in fact millennials. But, you know, one of the greatest uh, situations we think that impacted them was the 2007 recession because, you know, there were so many large student loans and high unemployment at that time. And, you know, the statistics vary, but probably at least 40% of
0: baby boomers have moved back mm-hmm. into their parental home at some point during,
1: you know, their post-academic uh, years in college. I, actually, I think Phil said uh, millennials, I mean, said baby boomers, but she meant the millennials. Um, Had moved back home, about, about 20 million of them are actually back in their
0: home. Right, that's that's one of the statistics that I've heard. So yeah, I, I, tell us a little bit about the characteristics that define this generation.
1: Well, again, it's, it's really hard to do that with a, with any kind of a broad brush because it is such a large group of people, and there are some that um, see them as kind of narcissistic, entitled. Um, you know, these were ones that come from... Uh, thinking of them as like the me-me generation um, who've always won trophies for everything and they sort of feel that they deserve it. And then on the other side, um, there's a whole group that um, are more well-connected with each other and are not really materialistic. They're more altruistic and involved in social justice issues and, and giving back. So it's very hard to, to say they're one or the other or even something in between. A lot of researchers, in fact, they divide the cohort and they talk about the younger and the older millennials. And you know, the older ones are now, you know, in their late thirties, and so just by evolution, generally, they started to do the typical things that you know um, adults do. And it's the younger ones, the ones that you know are in their late teens and in their twenties now who are kind of defined by their commitment to technology and how, you know, we and the older millennials are known as uh, digital immigrants, whereas the younger people really are, uh, you know, they've been with technology their whole uh, lives and it really defines them in many ways about how they communicate and how they interact and that in some ways is really, making a big impact on, you know, future generations, because now as the oldest, um, you know, as a new generation who are working and setting the stage for the work culture, there's going to be a lot of changes that occur in that regard.
0: Are there geographical differences?
1: Um, We haven't found too many geographical differences um, in the United States and some countries, it's, more, it's, it's always been more of a norm to have um, adult children living with their parents than it, than it was here. And, um, but here it is becoming more, more of a norm and, and kind of um, more something that's become the new normal. There's, there's really a cultural shift since it's been happening so much more here now than it used to.
0: So, how did the the recession that happened from two thousand and seven to two thousand and twelve how has that impacted this generation?
1: You know, I think so much of it at least initially was economic. You know uh, they would uh, students would get out of college and with, at the height of the recession, there would be very high unemployment or un- underemployment, and they weren't able to get jobs in their chosen fields. They were carrying 1.3 trillion dollars, um, you know, in in student loans. So everybody was highly, or most people were highly impacted, and unable to, you know, live independently or, you know, get the jobs that they wanted. And they had to move back home. And with that, you know, there was a certain amount of perhaps, discouragement, frustration, anxiety, and that shaped that, you know, generation for several years in some ways I mean that's already been 10 years so there are definitely changes occurring and you know a lot of these people are now meeting the milestones which we historically have identified as adulthood like you know um, moving out uh, putting down a down payment for a home getting the jobs that they want you know perhaps marrying having children and um so uh, major changes are occurring. Although that's not to say that uh, a lot of them still aren't living under the, you know, under the parents' roof. And and I think even for the ones that are um, becoming uh, reaching more of the adult milestones now, they're they're behind in the times that they did it. You know, everything is happening five to ten years later than it used to, and that's that's impacted them in a lot of ways. And uh, kind of ironically too, a lot of them when they moved back home and couldn't get a job, they went back to school to get, you know, a higher degree. And basically that sort of raised their student tuition. So it was kind of a revolving um, door. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. Well, I know a lot of the millennials feel that they've been stigmatized by all of this, that, you know, adults and, you know, people in positions of power, politicians, don't understand The obstacles that they've had before them. Do do you feel that that's true?
1: Um, I think that uh, in a lot of cases they were stigmatized by older, um, you know, the older generation. And I think the more that um, people are learning about the obstacles that they have faced, I think the less they're becoming uh, stigmatized in that way. And I think the more. Nowadays, people are learning that, that the millennials do want to um, be doing as much as they can and, and are involved. Sometimes they, they had looked like they were lazy, but it was really because they were had been so used to being coddled that they were afraid of making making mistakes, and so they didn't do things. Um, but as they've gained more experience, I think they're more willing to try to go out and actually, um, actually accomplish some. Things that they had been afraid to do before, and, and I think also at the height of once again the recession when they were struggling so much, there was inertia or lack of self-confidence or some of those psychological issues that can plague all of us when you know we were facing a challenge or have had a disappointment. And as they've grown, uh, you know, by age, they've grown emotionally as well. And I think in some ways because the baby boomers have been the bosses, you know, they've run the corporations and the businesses and the McDonald's where these kids are working. Now, you know, the baton the is being passed a little bit. And even though, you know, we still meet baby boomers who say, oh, my God, you know, you wrote a book and, you know, did you talk about the millennials and how there's blah, 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 this and that. But I think slowly there's been, you know, some integration of the, the younger people looking to the ideals of the older people and accepting some of those changes and in turn that the bosses are seeing the idealism of the uh, millennials and how they want social justice and they want a work-life balance and they want to have um, you know helping others a part of their uh, work culture so I think there's A give and take now that it's occurring that is very, very exciting in some ways, although people are still complaining about each other. There is this new shift as well.
0: Many of these uh, millennials have been parented by baby boomers. Um, Talk a little bit about how that's worked out, because baby boomers parented much differently than their parents parented them.
1: Well, and and that's true. I mean, they grew up with... um, using dr. Spock and um, was one of the reasons that um, that baby boomers had been known as the me generation and their children were known as the me me generation because they did parent them in in very permissive ways and um, but at the same time you know just as the baby boomer generation was a very large one and was very complicated it wasn't just one thing they also baby boomers had been you know very much involved in protesting the civil rights movement and and uh, were affected by the uh, growth of feminism and the Vietnam War all of those things really played a part in the way they parented um, their their children and so it's one of the reasons I think that the the millennial generation are so complicated they they have a lot of different, um, kinds of of influences coming at them, and so they they act different ways. And I think the two generations are a lot more friends um, than had been the case. You know, the parents, uh, baby boomers, wanted to be friends with their kids, and they're they're definitely more interconnected um, than other groups of generations have been. Partly because the internet makes it so easy, and partly because they really they really do want to. Um, Relate. I mean, it's been called parenting as opposed to parenting because the baby boomers frequently want to be peers with their with their kids. The
0: millennials in in your book, whose couch is it anyway? And I love that title because the couch is so uh, such a symbol of when a millennial or a child moves back home. But you profile five families dealing with having a, a grown child move back home. What circumstances led to those uh, situations? Can you talk a little bit about the families that sure, you interviewed? Sure, sure. That would be great. Um, so our our chapters,
1: you know, the book is narrative nonfiction, but uh, families, because we're, you know, practicing therapists, and, uh, you know, the compilation of our clients and experiences that women shared on the website is who these families are, but they're not, you know, specific families. But they all represent, you know, uh, situations that families deal with. One chapter is kind of the the uh, quintessential, typical uh, problem that a family might face. Uh, adult child will come home after college and you know can't get a job or lost a job, uh, has high loans for uh, education and has no money to pay for rent. So a chapter we call The Family in Flux. Uh, Another chapter we've titled uh, Toxic Interdependency, and that's about a helicopter mom, a very competent, loving mom who has a hard time letting go, Uh, and her daughter is 28 and dependent and living with her and the challenges that they face together, trying to, like, go their own ways, yet still very closely connected. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Another family is... um, when, and this happens frequently nowadays too, if there's been a divorce uh, among a millennial who has a child, frequently uh, they'll need to move back home and, um, you know, in order to help financially both uh, take care of the the, um, the child and also making the living arrangements work for everybody. So we call that a family in flux um, when tug of war, I, I'm sorry, tug of war when um, when they've had to, um, have living together and, and some of the issues that come up with that are, you know, two mothers that are mothering the same child, mm. grandmother and mother and, and so sometimes those issues come up and that may be a reason for people to, millennials, to move back home. Um, another problem is with a child, an adult child who has had problems with drugs or alcohol and, um, uh, you know, that can be an ongoing struggle not only for him or her but the whole family as well and we call that the serial boomerang it's a situation where a mother as much as she loves her son and wants to help him he's been in and out the door so often that she is faced with having to really draw the line and just like tough love used to be very you know important in the family's life if they were dealing with this now her having to say no to him, and um, which is a very difficult decision for her to make.
0: Has ha, have those because situations a- been exacerbated by what we're seeing with the opioid crisis? Definitely. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's
1: a tragedy in itself.
0: And uh, hopefully, I mean, most millennials, I would imagine, don't want to move back in with their parents. So, talk talk a little bit about you know the psychological impact on a young person when they have to make that decision.
1: Well, it, it definitely is frustrating for them because they they definitely have a loss of freedom from what they had done before, and then they're feeling that they've disappointed themselves and and their family that they need to move back home, and so there's very complicated um, feelings of resentment um, and also anger that they're in that situation. So there are a lot of difficult emotional issues that come up which make it important for them to really look at that and then discuss that with their parents. At the same time, there's some positive um, impacts that, that happen when the young person does move back home because they may be able to save money in that regard and um, also sort of have a second chance at uh, the whole parenting um, environment. So. Um, it may be a little bit easier life for them to be back home um, but again, it, it, it's not just one or the other in terms of the emotional issues that come up and the parents are going through the same kinds of things but it certainly is 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 difficult for the millennials themselves. You know, the, it could be a second chance for both. Uh, mm-hmm. The, the, the uh, parent is often a member of the family's generation and they're caring for aging parents as well.
0: Right, right. We talk
1: in the book a lot about, you know, responsibilities, financial, physical, and uh, for roles in the family. Sometimes these adult children can help with their grandparents, and it allows those two generations to develop deeper relationships at this stage, and it allows the parents in the middle to have a bit of a break. So, you know, there's a gift in everything
0: sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. And, I mean, that's the way it used to be, uh, where, you know, lots of generations lived under the same roof. We've sort of gotten away from that.
1: Right. We moved away from it, now we're moving people back towards it. Right. And, and you know, shame, you know, traditionally shame was a, a huge emotion for having to, like, step back or move back or take a step backwards. And for this, because I think in America, at least, in North America, the fact that it has become kind of a cultural shift, there's less of that. And because parents and children, for some reason, technology being one, uh, have, it seems like, a closer relationship, there's not the stigma so much. And even though they're not wanting to stay indefinitely, it seems like a lot of them are really making the best of a hard situation.
0: Mm-hmm. Were finances the biggest... Uh Stumbling block or the biggest obstacle that uh, millennials and their parents ran into when they had to move back home
1: actually um, the thing that we found although you know the finances certainly were an issue, but we found that the loss of freedom the sort of the uh, the boundaries that um, were impacted on both sides was really the one that um, that became the biggest conflict where you know both in terms of practical issues in terms of who was living where and who, whose food was what in the kitchen and um, and then also the emotional issues of feeling um, like your freedom has been taken away when your mother is there um, doing your clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so those kinds of things actually were, were some of the biggest conflict. Obviously, you know, the fin- finances and how those were going to be arranged and how the budget was going to be set up was certainly uh, also important. And... Um, the, as part of that, the boundary issue was sort of the expectations too that they they, they had different expectations of how they were going to be living together and, and the roles that that each one was going to take. So you know, and since all of us are mothers with adult children, you know, I think in some ways that differentiating between you know what's support and what's intrusion mm. through all the things that Rosemary just mentioned, the finances, the boundaries, the uh, you know, the communication, the expectations, the role definitions, you know, because our kids, when they're after college, they've lived alone for a while, and they're used to their independence, Right. and coming back is hard in some ways, but for us, it's hard too, because we're used to our independence, right. you know, some women have, you know, followed old passions or have new dreams, and they're, like, on that new path, and they have to come back to, you know being at home, and not that they have to wash the kids' clothes and do all the meals, but defining what those roles are becomes a real big stumbling block if they're not really dealt with up front and, um, you know, and revisited from time to time when the child is there.
0: So do mothers and fathers deal with this differently?
1: Uh, in some families they do, and some families... Um, it reverts back to a more typical or stereotypical, you know, male mother and and uh, father, you know, male female mother father reaction to a child. But I think it depends on the family. I don't think you can. Again, it's hard to to say that anything can be stated with a broad brush.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But on, I mean, on on the other hand, too, is triangulation can occur sometimes where. You know, if a couple is having an issue on their own when the child isn't there,
0: it's very different than if a you know an adult child comes home, right. gets involved
1: in that. So, you know, boundaries and relationships can be impacted, and and clearly, you know, family meetings, you know, sitting together and talking about things, even you know, talking before the child moves back home about what are the mutual know, expectations and role definitions and boundaries, you know, what's something I can accept and what's non-negotiable, and sometimes if those are even very clearly laid out, and maybe even in a contract, it sounds official, but that can help, you know, the path, you know, be a little smoother sometimes. One of the things that we we talk about in our book that we kind of um, suggest doing before someone moves back home is something that we call... um, uh, setting up the CCNRs. Um, CCNRs are generally used in, you know, part in condo complexes or or, or home settings. But um, in our case, the CCNRs for us, the first C stands for communication, and um, that's the most important thing that we found really um, really helps families work together. Um, the second C stands for cooperation and um, compromise because we know that. That both sides are going to need to give up a little bit, and and uh, both sides are going to be able to get a little bit in it. Um, and the R stands for respect, because um, even though it is a you know a child moving back home, um, it is an adult child, and and both sides need to respect each other um, in terms of setting up the the whole plan ahead of time. You know, setting up an exit plan, setting up the goals, having the responsibilities laid out. Um, you know, even the simple ones involving chores or money, Um, setting up the different priorities that that are important to both sides of the family, and um, helping the the millennial, you know, set a budget for himself and herself, and and, um, make some plans for um, getting a job and, and moving out.
0: When the millennial is not an only child, how does having the older child move back home affect siblings? That's,
1: that's a good question because often there are other siblings, both in and out of the home. I mean, even older siblings that live out because here's uh, an adult child coming home with needs that might be different from the others and how the family handles that impacts the other kids. So just, you know, keeping that in mind all the time and if there are family meeting uh, meetings, you know, include the other children and because the family is always a family whether they're, you know, front and center, or they're living outside, so, um, yeah, because you don't want the other children in the family to feel devalued, um, because the emphasis at at some point is on the millennial who's moved back home, we call them boomerang kids, Right. some people don't like that term, because it seems to be um, kind of either blaming them, or making light of them, but it is a term that has been used. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just like any family, when one child becomes sick or has an emotional problem or a physical issue, that affects all the family. I mean, there is a ripple effect, and certainly we can't not think about that and integrate Mm -hmm. that for the
0: the system. You seem to hint uh, at one point here that things are turning around for millennials, that more of them are buying homes and getting married. Uh, Do you see that? accelerating
1: well you know the fact that the oldest ones are 38 now like they can't help but do some of those things at some point and living at home certainly although the italian young men apparently like to live with their mothers a very long time <laughs> um you know at some point you want your autonomy your independence so i think that will continue to evolve um but they're doing it differently you know just as you know, we have said there are certain characteristics. They're not doing it necessarily linearly. They're not doing them in the traditional way. They're doing it in their own way, you know. Maybe Mm -hmm. they'll, you know, have a child and then get married, or maybe they'll start a business and, you know, then move out. But, um, yeah, I think it'll it'll continue to move forward. And I think, you know, right now the economy is better than it was, um, you know, ten years ago. Yes. But, um, if it continues to improve, then that, that, that
0: certainly will help. Well, what are your hopes and fears for the generation that follows the millennials? I think uh, some people are calling it Generation Z. But yeah. even though the economy is a little bit better and uh, there are some positive signs for these younger people, uh, the cost of college is not going down. Uh, they still are probably going to have to take out college loans. Uh, will we see another generation go through what the millennials went through?
1: It's a very good question. I think I think a lot of people nowadays um, are beginning to think not necessarily of going directly to an expensive uh, university to begin with. I think a lot more people now are thinking of starting off in a junior college so that they can, you know, reduce their their total student loans mm-hmm. and. Um, I think there's an, an emphasis on um, jobs that don't necessarily require an expensive um, student loan uh, years of, of education, so there's some things that, that that we see that are making things a little bit um, easier for the, the Z generation, but certainly the, their generation, particularly lately, is is really, um, you know, showing their voice and, and their interest in involvement and, and trying to make things happen um, for the good of everyone. So I, I think right now people are pretty positive um, about the expectations for the Z generation. Who knows how things will actually turn out, but right now it looks looks more positive. And, you know, some, some adult children are saying, you know, looking at their brothers and sisters or family friends and they're saying, well, they got out of college. They had these huge loans, and they still didn't get jobs. So I think some people are going online. There are a lot of ways to get a degree online now, and you know, younger people are exploring that. Um, you know, going out and working and find your finding your growth and your success through other endeavors. A lot of you know businesses, millennials are kind of working together and trying to make um, you know new things happen for themselves. And I think that the, uh, you know, the younger people can see from the millennials some of these good positive characteristics that they have about social justice and, you know, what's going on with the young people from Florida, finding their voice and not just finding it but using it and so, I mean, I think that was inspiring and I think that gives us cause for optimism.
0: So. Uh- once the public has a more positive attitude towards uh, young people, uh, this could also help, help them with their future. Uh, is that true?
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know what? You know, we need a strong moral fiber in our country. Right. We really need to support our young people. We need to support each other. And I think the pendulum swings fast. You mm-hmm. know, it's been a tough time. And I think we're about
0: ready for some, you know, good coming from all of it. Right. I mean, so, so many people have, you know, believed that myth that the millennials are lazy and they haven't worked very hard. But, you know, those of us who know and parent millennials know that that's not true. And now we're seeing such enthusiasm and and so many great things happening with this age group and with the one following them that, uh, you know, it can be, uh, you know, very heartening for, uh, you know, for families, for communities, and for our nation, I would think.
1: Right, right. Yes, yes. Yes. These seeds have been planted
0: and they're growing into flowers. Right. And, you know, as a baby boomer, I know we came in for our share of uh, (laughs) criticisms too, so. Right, right. Well, Rosemary and Phyllis, thank you so much for speaking with us. Uh, This has been uh, a great interview, and I know uh, whether you're a millennial or whether you're parenting a millennial or working with a millennial, you're uh, going to want to uh, get a copy of uh, their book, Whose Couch Is It Anyway? And uh, you've been listening to Wadcast. I'm Charlene Gianetti, editor of Woman Around Town, and thank you for joining us.